Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to see you today. I hope our time in the Word of God today is a blessing to you and encouraging you in terms of your faith walk. My name is David Roadcup. I am from Florence, Kentucky, just south of Cincinnati, and I'm your guest preacher today. Uh, we said a couple of these things last week. I have been married to Karen for 53 years. We have two girls and four grandchildren. Um, I am uh, presently Professor of Discipleship at TCMI International in Indianapolis. We're a seminary of 1,500 students, and our main campus is in Vienna, Austria. We draw 1,500 students from about 45 different countries, and our only focus is to train men and women for leadership in the church. So if you would, uh, COVID has really messed with us this year, and that my wife and I normally spend June, July, and August uh, there in Austria, and this year, of course, none of us were allowed uh, to come, but uh, do pray for us and for the incredible things the Lord is doing through that ministry right now. I'd like to begin this morning with a question, just ask you to ponder this question with me. In your life, have you ever felt there was simply too much uh, to do and not enough time in the average day or week to really get it done? I know I've been there on many, many occasions. Have you recently been besieged by too many commitments and actually not enough time or energy to really make it all happen? Probably all of us get into these situations from time to time, especially if we have young children and a busy, a busy work life and a ministry here in the church. Maybe our career is really moving forward. Uh, maybe this is sometimes how, how we struggle. Yeah, I think you know the routine, what I'm talking about today. It's uh, basically work taking care of the house, mowing the lawn, cooking, doing the dishes, little league practice, rotary meeting, social commitments, and the list kind of just goes on and on. It's simply, I think we could say, it's simply living life. It, you know, all of these things are things, many of them we have to do, and they're very important, and so we have to learn that balance. I think, though, it's a very good idea just every now and then to take a little bit of time and to stop sometimes the, hect the hectic schedule we have and just to do a little bit of deep thinking. Maybe, maybe to reflect on our lives, to slow down just a little bit and really consider uh, our lives and where we are. I think it's important to do this. One of the things, one of the happenings in life that always makes me do this, makes me stop and just take a step back and just take a deep breath and really think about my life and think about what's happening uh, in my world is the loss of a loved one through death. I don't know why, it just really Im impacts me very greatly. My dad passed away about eight years ago, and my mom just died two years ago. A great Christian prayed me into the Lord and then prayed me into the ministry and prayed for me every day. I really miss her, miss both of them. Uh, I was uh, teaching at Atlanta Christian College. I was on their ministry staff for eight years there, and one particular fall, a freshman came in with all the others, and Doug Shippey was about 6'4", and uh, very, very tall, and he had a unique thing about him in that he cut his hair kind of all in, in one length. Uh, I know that this is uh, not applicable to any young person here, but back in the day, years ago, uh, they kidded about the fact that your mother would put a bowl on your head and kind of cut around, and that would be your hair cut, and that's kind of what he had. It was all one length, you know. Uh, you could see him all the way across campus. He was taller than anybody else in this big, big uh, crop of hair. Doug took every one of the seven classes that I taught there on campus. Uh, we became very close. I coached him in his ministry, coached him in his preaching, taught him how to preach, 
uh, just supported him, discipled him, and really became like a son that I, ne that I never had. Uh, he and his girlfriend came into my office one afternoon, and they sat down, and they said, we have, we have an announcement we want to make. And I said, great, what is that? And he said, um, uh, we became engaged over the weekend. And I said, fantastic, uh, this is really good. And he said, we had a question for you. This coming August, are you busy, August 14th? And I said, I, I don't think that I have any plans. And he said, we want you to come to Savannah, Georgia, and help us with our wedding. That would be great. And I said, uh, I, said I would love to do that. A uh, couple of weeks after that, I drove onto campus early in the morning, and one of the, I went into the administration building. One of the secretaries, who was kind of like the mother to all of the faculty, older lady, stepped out of her office and said, could you come in here for just a minute? And I said, sure, why? I, you know, I'm glad to. So I went in, and she said, I need to tell you about last night. Doug Shippey came to the campus, and he had dinner with his fiance. And uh, going back to his, he was a campus minister at West Georgia State University. Going back to his, uh, his apartment, he got off on the interstate onto a cloverleaf. And a young man, 22 years old, was driving a huge pickup truck, um, probably going 70 miles an hour on this cloverleaf the wrong way. It was very, very inebriated, hit Doug flat out, and um, uh, Doug is with the Lord this morning, but he um, did not feel any pain. The uh, uh, police told us that he was killed immediately in the, uh, in the wreck. And I got a telephone call from Doug's parents saying, uh, we want you to come to Savannah and, and be part of his funeral, if you would. And so I didn't go to Savannah, you know, in August. I went in uh, that particular month. And I just never forget standing in front of this beautiful wooden coffin and uh, putting my hand on it. And uh, this is coming out of the deepest part of who I am. You know, please uh, excuse me. Uh, I put my hand on the coffin. And here's a young man who could have taken a city for Jesus Christ, an amazing leader, great preacher, wonderful, wonderful student. And I just prayed this prayer. And I said, God... God, my Father, I, 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 I know you, and, and I love you, and I trust you. I have to tell you that sometimes I don't understand you. And I'm just not, I'm not I, I can't explain this. I really can't. And brothers and sisters, I know that God's ways are higher than our ways. I understand that, and I do trust the Lord in everything that happened. But I just remember driving home from Savannah that day, just in my heart, saying to myself, you know what, none of us have this afternoon. We really don't. None of us have this evening or even next week. We really don't. Wouldn't it behoove us in the incredibly fast pace that so many of us live to take some time every week, really even a time or two, and just stop and say to ourselves, you know, in the midst of all the important things I'm doing here, just ask ourselves this question. What, what is the most important? What is really important in this particular, in this particular life I'm living? Uh, what is critical? Uh, a friend of mine, who's a preacher in a fairly large church, called his youth minister and said, you know, I would really like to, I know your, your high school kids are going to a rock, Christian rock con concert. I'd like to go and just be with them for an evening. I don't get a lot of exposure to them. And he, and he said, sure, just ride over with us. It'd be fine. So the friend told me he went to this Christian rock concert. He said it was loud. He said that at halftime, they had an intermission, and he just stood up to stretch a little bit, and he said he turned around, and sitting right behind him was a teenager in a black t-shirt, and on the t-shirt it said, the hokey pokey. Now, that's what it's all about. 
I don't know if you've heard the story of the uh, man who was a very strong believer, went to bed about midnight one night, having, enjoying a night's sleep, and about 3 o'clock in the morning, there was a bright light in the, kitchen, in the bedroom there. And he woke up, and lo and behold, there's an angel standing beside his bed. And this is what a, a heavenly body will always say when they come to earth. The very first thing he said to him was, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's okay. He said, brother, th this is your night. This is your night. You're going home. So just go ahead and come with me. I'll put a little escalator here. We'll go up past the clouds, through the stars, and into the Shekinah glory of God. And you're ready to receive your reward. And the man said, oh, okay, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to go. He said, before we go, I'd like just have one request. I'd like to take something with me. The angel said, highly against regulations. No, you, you can't take anything. And he said, well, could I, could I do this? Could I just try? Could I try to take it? The angel said, well, we normally don't do this, but if you want to get it, you can take it and see what will happen. So he went into his closet and brought out a shoebox. I got on the escalator, went up past the clouds, through the stars, and came out into the amazing Shekinah glory of God. And uh, here is uh, two huge pearly gates and a table and St. Peter there with an angel. And they walked up to the table. St. Peter said, what's your name, son? And he told him, he looked in the book, and he said, yep, here you are. You're, you're listed here, so come to your reward. Just go through that pearly gate right there. Seventh mansion on the left, the one you ordered, a tennis court and a jacuzzi and swimming pool. It's all right there for you. But just go on in there and enjoy yourself. He said, say, by the way, what uh, I... I see you have a box there. And the man said, yes. I, he said, St. Peter, th this, is, this is so important to me. I just don't want to go, th go through heaven without it. I, I wonder if I can just take this with me. And St. Peter said, we, 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 we don't do that. You can't bring anything in. And he said, well, th this is just a big part of my life. And Peter said, well, do you mind if I look in the box? And he said, no. And he put the box down on the table. And Peter opened it up. And inside the box was just a great big piece, square piece of gold bullion, solid bar of gold. And Peter looked at the angel and said, why would anyone want to bring pavement into heaven? Brothers and sisters, let me ask this morning, will you think with me? What, what's, what's really important in our lives, in the hectic helter-skelter pressure cooker schedule that so many of us live? Can, can we stop for just a minute? here in this quiet place and just ask ourselves the question, you know, when you boil it all down, when it all comes down to the end, what really matters? How, how am I spending my time and my energy? What is it that really and truly matters? Tennessee Williams wrote and said, snatching the eternal out of the desperately fleeting is the great magic trick of human experience. Brothers and sisters, what's, what's really important? We're talking today really about priorities, the idea of a priority. And when we talk about priorities, it's simply the ranking of that which is important. Out of all of the real, truly important things in our lives, which are the most important? Which do we make sure we give attention to every single week? C.S. Lewis wrote and said, put first things first and we get second things thrown in. Put second things first and we possibly lose both first and second things. Today, in light of what we're talking about, I want to take a text from the life of Jesus, very, very uh, familiar story to all of us, and read the story and explain how the story has a huge impact on the issue we're talking about here this morning. 
This story is found in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. It's the story of Jesus, Mary, and Martha in, in Martha's home with Martha fixing, fixing a, a lunch for Jesus and his entourage. This is Luke 10, 38 through 42. Let me read this for us as a backdrop for our discussion here. Luke writes and says, Now, as they were traveling along, he, meaning Jesus, he entered a village, Bethany, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, 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 you are worried and bothered about so many things. Brothers and sisters, does that describe anybody's life here today? <laughs> I'll confess my sins up front here. That describes me to a T. Jesus could have said, David, David, you're worried and bothered about so many things. He goes on then and he says, but only one thing is necessary. Only one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, the first thing we want to talk about in three observations is the focused event in verses 38 through 40. The focused event, what's actually going on in the story? Well, if we go back into the history and the, the depths of what's happening here, Jesus is traveling, preaching and teaching, ushering in the kingdom of God. He has his 12 disciples, and Jesus traveled very frequently with an entourage. There were possibly uh, five, six, seven, probably women traveling with him. They made contributions financially to Jesus' ministry and probably helped maybe with some of the cooking and so forth when they were out on the road, uh, did, did various things. These ladies are with Jesus, and they come to Bethany, two miles outside of Jerusalem, where Martha invites Jesus and his group to stay with them uh, for a number of days. Now, we know from this that, of course, the average family who might have been poor back in those days could not feed that large of a group for several days, would not have had place for housing. And so the theory is that Mary and Martha and Lazarus, their brother, probably were large farmers, probably had a large farm and, and had plenty of wherewithal uh, to host Jesus in the Twelve. So if you go even to the Mediterranean area now, here's how they eat during a typical day. In the morning, you have a light breakfast. The large meal of the day comes between 1, 2, 2.30 in the afternoon. That, that's your big meal. And then after supper in the evening, you normally have some kind of a light dinner. So the meal that Martha is preparing here is no doubt the big meal of the day, you know, at uh, 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So the setting is this. Jesus is in the large living room that was there. And when Jesus showed up, people came to see him and to be with him. So the living room fills up. And so Jesus is teaching. He's got a great opportunity. He begins teaching the crowd. And in that particular moment then, Martha is back in the hot kitchen with her servant ladies, and she is working up a storm, working up a storm. She's got that fatted calf killed, and, and it's cooking. She's in there making the mashed potatoes and those homemade biscuits that everybody loved. She knew that Jesus' favorite dessert was that cherry pie that she made, and so she's making a couple of cherry pies, and she's back there working. All of a sudden, it dawns on her that her little sister is nowhere to be found. 
So she goes out into the living room where Jesus is teaching, and lo and behold, there's Mary over there sitting right by Jesus, the little princess sitting over there doing nothing. And so she steps into the living room. You, know, you have to put yourself in, in this. She steps into the living room. She says, uh, Lord, oh, excuse me, excuse me. I, 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 know, I know you're busy teaching here. Excuse me just a minute. Jesus, I am back here in the kitchen knocking myself out. And here's, here's Mary sitting in here doing nothing. Now, if you look at the Greek text, this is how th this should be translated. Mary says to Jesus, literally, Lord, you do care, don't you? that I'm back here cooking and, and Mary isn't helping me. That's exactly what she said. And then, of all things, the last thing Mary, Martha says is she gives God a command. In the original language, this is in the imperative tense, and she, she says to Jesus, so tell her to come back here and help me. You talk about Jewish chutzpah, you know, that, that's, that's kind of at the top. And so Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, well, in the New Testament, Anytime you see anything that's repeated, it's important. You just remember that. If it's, if it's repeated, it's important. Jesus says on a number of occasions in his teaching, he says, verily, verily, I say to you, and when you see that, here's what you know. A big one is coming. Better really listen to what he's getting ready to say. And he says, Martha, Martha, he says, you are worried and bothered about so many things. He says this then, but only one thing is important. Only one thing, Martha, out of all the things going on in your life, there's only one main thing that's important. He says, Martha, I appreciate everything you're doing and the great meal I know we're going to enjoy in a little while. I appreciate that. But Mary has chosen this one thing, and we're not going to take it away from her. Brothers and sisters, this is an amazing, amazing statement here where Jesus says, out of all of the things going on in our lives, he says, there is one great priority, the most important thing. And we say to ourselves this morning, what is that? Brothers and sisters, listen to me today. The most important thing in your life is knowing and loving Jesus as deeply as you can and serving him and obeying him and seeking his face every single day. It's the most important thing in life. Knowing Jesus, loving him, drawing close to him on a daily basis. Brothers and sisters, it's more important than your family. It's more important than your job. It's more important even than your health or your future or your wealth or your retirement or any of those things. It is the most important thing in life, knowing Jesus, making him the grand priority of your life every single day, absolutely the most important thing. This is what we call point two, our, our grand priority, our first priority. The one thing that Jesus talks about here is seeking God, seeking the kingdom of God, trying to find a closer relationship to Jesus every single day. Now, if this is true in our lives, then the final question of the morning is simply this. Uh, how do we develop this great priority in our lives? In other words, if the great priority in our lives is to seek after Jesus and live for him and draw close to him and love him more every day, how do we make that happen? In closing my message today, I just want to mention a couple of things that I think would be helpful for you to be reminded of. I'm not sure that this is any really new revelation material. I just want to remind you today of the things that we can do to stimulate our love for Christ and to grow in our faith and in our relationship to him. The very first thing I would simply call is the daily giving of ourselves to the Lord. 
the daily giving of ourselves to God. Just beginning every day. This doesn't take very long at all. I wake up many, many, many mornings, and I just sit on the edge of the bed, you know, and I just say, Lord, thank you for watching over us through the night. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning. I claim them this morning. Father, thank you as I see the sun coming up that you're doing an amazing miracle in, in front of us again, though sometimes we forget as you run the universe. Father, I want to be close to you today. I want to do your will. I want to serve you as your son. Let's be with me through this day, and let's walk through today hand in hand. Brothers and sisters, making sure that every single day, every single day, we rededicate ourselves to the Lord, we give ourselves to him and draw close to him in every way we can. The second item that will really help us live out the grand, grand priority every day is simply being in the word of God on a regular basis, just, just being in scripture. It's the idea that we take the word of God and we feed ourselves. I want you to know today that this book is different than any other book you have at home. It looks like many, many of the similar books you have. It looks just like this. <clears throat> this book is different, brothers and sisters. This book is powerful. It is inspired. It is a word from God. This book has the power in it to change the life of any addict who is struggling, of any man or woman who wants to really move forward in their relationship to Christ. This book is the book that will help you more than anything else. If I were the evil one, I would do everything I could possibly do in your life to get you to stay as far away from this book as possible. When we partake of a reading of the Word of God devotionally, just in our living room or, or in our family room, in, in our basement, whenever we're having a devotional time, we're reading the Word of God, it feeds our interior world, it feeds our spirits, just like a good meal will feed our physical bodies. You know, the Word, the word describes itself. It says the milk of the Word the meat of the word, the bread of life. David says, your word is like honey to my taste. All food images, giving us the idea that when we partake of a portion of the word of God devotionally, it feeds us. It gives us power and strength and help. Let me just share with you what I've done for years, for decades. I choose a book of the Bible, just finishing 2 Timothy right now, and I just uh, uh, just through, through the book, one chapter at a time, consecutively, I just read through the book, one chapter a day. I read the chapter, maybe reread re it, and then I just pray this prayer, and I say, Lord, what do you want me to get today from this, from this chapter? What are you speaking into my heart today about this? And then think about ways that I can live that out in the nitty-gritty of life on a regular basis. Brothers and sisters, the Word of God has massive power the Word of God will change you, will grow you, will strengthen you, and take your roots deeper than they've ever gone before. I want to encourage you to be in the Word on a daily basis. It's, it's really that important. The next item that will help you live out the grand priority is simply the discipline of prayer. The discipline of prayer. We all know how important prayer is. We've, we've heard many sermons on it, uh, maybe even taught ourselves on the importance of prayer. I want you to know that prayer is critical because of this reason. No relationship on earth can be sustained without communication. See what I mean by that? It's really true. No, no relationship, husband and wife, parents and children, no relationship can be healthy and sustained without communication. You may have heard years ago the old saying, um, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Heard that. There's only one problem with that statement. It's not true. <laughs> It's the opposite, really. 
And so the reason prayer is so important is that prayer is our communication to our Heavenly Father. And we know from Proverbs that God loves it when we pray. Proverbs 15, 8, the Lord hates the gifts of the wicked, but he delights in the prayers of his people. God wants to hear from us. Now, you might say today as we're talking about this, well, I know that what you're saying is true. I just have to tell you that I am, I am the world's worst prayer. My prayer life is terrible. I try. I really do. But my mind wanders and there are interruptions. And I, I try. It's just that I don't feel like I'm very good at prayer. If you told me that, that today, that tells me something about your spiritual life. It truly does. It tells me that you're normal. That's what it tells me. I would say to you, join the crowd. We're all, we're all struggling in our prayer lives. So helpful to me to know that the disciples who were with Jesus day after day after day heard him preach, heard him teach. They came to Jesus toward the end of his ministry. And they said, Jesus, we love to hear your sermons and we love being with you. But could we just ask this one thing? Will you teach us how to pray? And brothers and sisters, we don't struggle with our prayer lives just because we have a limited sense of concentration. It's spiritual warfare. Every time the weakest Christian bows their knee in prayer and offers a sincere prayer from their heart to the Lord every single time, Satan will do everything he can to possibly to stop you from having that prayer time because he knows when you pray, the massive damage comes to his kingdom of darkness through the prayers of the saints. You know, I believe if, if we're worried at all about our country in this day and time, the most powerful weapon we have you know, is not being out in the streets. The most powerful weapon we have is being on our knees in our bedroom, leaning up against our bed, begging God for this country, begging for, for him to move here in, in whatever way he can. You know, the power of prayer. Brothers and sisters, let me encourage you to understand that anytime you try to pray, there's going to be warfare in your life. Satan will do everything he can to stop you. Just keep moving forward. If you lose your place and your mind wanders, just come back to where you were. It's okay and pick it up again. God understands. He's very patient in understanding it. But, but do this. Just keep praying and keep moving forward. This week, I want you to think about what I'm about to say. Five minutes of sincere prayer from your heart a day is so much better than no prayer at all. Please, brothers and sisters, work on your prayer life. Keep struggling. Keep making that part of your daily regimen. I know that it will help you really live out the grand priority for sure. Being connected to other believers is the next item we really need to think about. Being connected to other believers. What does this mean? It means that, that I must be with Christians outside our morning worship service. That's what it means. This worship service is designed for one purpose. God is on the throne, and we're worshiping him, and, and, and that's the focus. But we need more than that to really be growing in our faith and developing. So joining a small group that meets every week for Bible study and prayer, getting into a men's Bible, women's Bible study, whatever it is, having fellowship with people outside the group. For 46 years, my wife and I have led a, daily, a weekly Bible study in whatever church we were in. We have 14 people right now who meet on Wednesday night. We've been together about two years, and these people are like our family. We get together on Wednesday night. We have cake and coffee. We pray together. We study scripture. We spend time together. Let me just tell you that I know that if I had a major, major instance in my life of tragedy, 
or, or an accident of some kind, those would be the first people who would be on our porch at our house taking care of us. You know, it's, it's an amazing fellowship. And brothers and sisters, we need that. God's plan for us is not independence of each other. It is inter interdependence upon each other. It's God's plan. And the fellowship we experience is a powerful tool in helping us grow in our faith. Now, I would also just mention this, brothers and sisters, the idea of reading good books, just reading good books. Through my life in Christ, one of the things that has nurtured me, stretched me, and grown me as much as anything else is just reading the writings of other good, solid, mature Christians that, that it's really incredibly blessed my life. Someone says, well, here's the deal. I, I really don't like to read. I understand that. There, there are books on tape, you know, that you could possibly use. There are places that will condense a book down to six pages. And I mean, anything, anything like that will really bless your life. I did have a student one time came into my office and he said, Prof, I love your class. It's going very well. There's just one thing I wanted to talk to you about. I, I don't like to read and you're requiring multiple books for this class. I just feel like the reading assignment is, is really heavy. And I said, well, it, it is substantial, but they're all important. He said, well, I, I don't like to read. And I said, I have some good news for you today. To pass this class, you don't have to like to read. It's OK. You just have to read anyway, whether you like it or not. <laughs> you know? uh, I, I'm, just, I'm just passing this along to you as your older brother in Christ. My life has been blessed, enriched, deepened, and really taken places I know I would never go before had I not, not been reading. If you would buy one good, solid Christian book between now and December and just read that one book for this year, I promise you it will bless you and help you to grow in your faith. Let me also just mention a place of service, which is so important. You know, every one of us has been given gifts and talents and abilities. And for us to take opportunity to use those in the life of the body of Christ, it's exactly what Paul says, the gifts were, and it's the reason they were given, so that we will minister to the body, minister to our church here by using our gifts and our abilities. I would encourage you to do that. And then lastly, is simply the idea of never giving up, never giving up. If I were the evil one, I would keep you away from the word of God in every way that I could. If I were Satan, I would, do every, I would throw the kitchen sink at you to stop your prayer life. Because every time you pray, I am, my kingdom is damaged. And the main thing, one of the main things I would do is I would bring discouragement and, and, and frustration into your life in however I could to get you to simply throw in the towel, to get you to simply quit. He'll do it to you all the time, brothers and sisters, and just know that that's coming. And so here's the point. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Don't stop. Keep moving forward. Keep going deeper. Get your roots down deep, as deeply as you possibly can and serve the Lord with all of your heart. Stay in, there, stay in there until the end, and the Lord promises a blessing. So I'm going to ask you this morning just this one more question. What's really important? Just think with me, brothers and sisters. We don't do this very much. Well, what's really important? What do we really need to focus on? I mean, we have a lot of important things. They're all good. But the impo most important of the important is where we need to make sure we're focusing every single day in any way we can. We make decisions. We go directions. 
We have things in our lives, day in and day out, and those are all important and they're all necessary. But in the midst of all of that, I, I would ask you today and plead with you as your brother in Christ to really ask this question, what is the most important? And how can I take those, those important things, the, the most important things, and really make it part of my daily life and my daily discipline? Let's bow together in prayer. Holy Father, I want to thank you for every man and every woman who's here in this auditorium today, for all those who are watching online as well. Father, I want to pray that you would please give us the discernment today and the wisdom to be able to read about the story of Mary and Martha and take the story deeply into our hearts. Father, help us to be wise and discerning and to think through our schedules, our days, and what really takes up the focus of our daily life. Father, we want to love you more, to live as close to you as we possibly can. Help us to figure out what will take us to those places and then make sure that in our daily schedules, in our times together, we are remembering the great imperative. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you today for all you have done for us in Jesus Christ. And it's in his powerful name that we pray. Amen.